electricians in the world. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit MWUclinics.com to schedule an appointment. All right, hour number two of the show, live from the Akchin Community Studios. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line is the host of Keyshawn J. Will and Max on ESPN. Jay Williams. Jay, what's going on? What's up, boys? I, I might I might have to see you guys uh, next week when, when I come out there for the Super Bowl. Maybe I'll catch you on a Friday. Nice. Oh, we'll see awesome. what that can happen. Can yeah. I go down? Yeah, do totally. That'd be great, Jay. I'd love to see you. Um, always, always. Jay, let's, I'll, I'll, there's a lot to talk to you about. I, I want to start with the Suns, though, and, and specifically Chris Paul. It's just five games, but uh, in the five mm-hmm. games since he has come back from injury, he's looked really good, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the Suns are suddenly winning a, a lot more. Um, Gio, just your experience playing the game, and, and obviously you've watched Chris Paul a lot. If, if he's going to play like this, how realistic is that for the rest of the season, and, and what does that do for this team? Look, uh, do, you, do, you, do you want my blunt, honest truth? Yes, please, always. I don't care about the regular season for Chris Paul. Perfect. Oh, my goodness. Uh, go. I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I, and I get that we're, you know, obviously Devin Booker being out, Cam Johnson, I, I think you find out a lot about your team where roles have been developed. But frankly, like, for me, it's about, it, it, and it's unfortunate, maybe it's the way my brain is built, is championship or bust with this team because I need to find out what the long-term solution is. And I'm, I'm not sure if that is Chris Paul. I'm not. I'm, he is a bona fide leader. Uh, but when you start understanding dynamics in the relationships between him, Devin, and Monty, and you see a guy like Jay Crowder who's been out, who is the one guy that can kind of get DeAndre Ayton under control when things start to get rocky, and you start hearing rumblings around teams about how they feel about Chris Paul, you know, not in the locker room, but like outside of it. It, 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 and the durability around Chris Paul when you get to postseason, and I love Chris Paul, um, it turns into like what is the best long-term strategy for the Phoenix Suns? And I, I am, I, I can't sit here and tell two of my friends who we talk sports once a week that I am positively sure that Chris Paul is a long-term solution for another two years. It, it, that This might be the last time we see this. You know, that's fair. When you're one of the better teams and one of the more talented teams in the association, do you think anybody cares about the regular season anymore? <laughs> I mean, LeBron James does. Well, yeah. I mean, like, you know, and it's really funny not to go into tangent, but all I hear from fans uh, say to me is like, well, you know, the regular season is meaningless. Guys don't really care. You know, we got we got college football season and football season, and, you know, then that kind of turns into like March Madness, and then we'll start caring about the NBA. But now I see LeBron James get chastised because the refs actually missed a foul call, and he's passionate. So, yeah, games are meaningful, especially when you're in the West, considering how many games separate, you know, two through eleven. Uh, every game matters, so I, I, it's important. I just. I just automatically go to like long term for CP3. Will he be available when you need him to the most? And that is something that's been hovering around his career. Yeah, no, it's true. It's one hundred percent true. Uh, we're talking to and, James. and by the way, Luke, when Masai Ujiri and James Jones are meeting in tunnels, you know, it makes you start wondering about like oh, Fred VanVleet. Like, is that part of the solution? Is that something we should be thinking about before we approach the trade deadline? Oh, we're um, thinking about it. Can, can I get your opinion? Yeah, yeah you on, should be thinking on, about it. Yeah. You yeah. should be thinking that, that dude is rock solid, and he's one of the best perimeter players and defenders, and then you don't miss a beat. 
I would see, be looking I at that, that right out the gate. See, I love Jay, that, I've been Jay. thinking about this for three weeks. I mean, <laughs> now I'm just thinking about it more for the next week and a half. Um, it's all I can think about. Over to football. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to predict who the Cardinals coach is going to be, but if Sean, just using logic here, if Sean Payton was out completely, wouldn't we have heard that by now? Look, that's what I would seem to think about it. You know, for me, it's we had this conversation today. It's about, you know, with the options, and I, I said that I think Arizona is a is a good place for Sean um, because of the style in which he plays, and I think you can make that work. But I, if Sean Payton were interested, I mean, wouldn't you – I would think that that wouldn't just linger around. Like, I, if I were Sean Payton, if I were a coach up for a position, and it wasn't the position – it didn't work. Like, you would hear me say right away, well, this isn't th- – that didn't work. You know, or I would have some way – maybe I wouldn't say it directly, obviously, but somehow the news would leak from my camp that you would never know it came from my camp that I was still on the market waiting for a better opportunity to come up. <laughs> yes. But the fact that it hasn't makes me think there's still something lingering there, which is because that's how this game works. Like that, That's how guys leak news from their camps. Uh, and I, I think it's kind of an interesting sit-and-wait situation right now. Oh, you got me all jacked up right there because I am the grassy knoll, Jay. Did you know that? I, <laughs> I am, man. I, I am a conspiratorialist. I, I I do not trust man. I trust God. Therefore, okay, every guy, every man is failed and flawed, and they're going to use a conspiracy to something. There's going to be some type of backdoor that is going to be used. It's called PR. And that, to me, I, I'm fascinated with what you just said because I, I believe that. Where did it come from? You have to follow the leak. When information comes out, and what does it tell you about this situation when you follow the leak? It, what What's going to be the, the next coaching hire for the Arizona Cardinals? I really don't know. But if you follow the leak, it will tell mm-hmm. you if you can find the source. And that's the problem, well, finding the source. Well, well, I'll give you another one. Uh, you know, and It's funny, like when these things leak, and I know sometimes it goes over fans' heads, but... You know, I've owned a brand and consulting company for over 15 years, and I've worked with a lot of brands, and I've seen a lot of it, a lot of damage control. And I also see like when when brands would announce, you know, C level executive changes in the midst of big events, so it just kind of gets, you know, sweeped or swept under the bed, right? So it's like when the Dallas Cowboys announced that Kellen Moore was no longer their OC, and that happened during Sunday. Like evening of the uh, NFC and the AFC title games, right? You're like, huh? Was, <laughs> okay, like it's interesting that day, right? So it's not a headline. So it's like an afterthought, even though it's a big story. And you see the way that's a ripple effect. Like, what? What are we going to lead with Kellen Moore on that Monday? No, we're going to talk about. Well, yeah. you know, we're going to see Cincinnati lost to Kansas City, and then what happened with the Eagles and the 49ers, and that takes on ahead of its own, and it becomes like an afterthought. Like, that's how these companies and operations work. Like, they, if there are things they want to be at the forefront of making you known, they're going to do it a certain way and make it loud. If they don't, they do it another way. Yep. Jay, great stuff as always, man. We'll uh, hopefully see you next week. All right, boys. Thank you, Jay. Take care. That's uh, Jay Williams joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Night. We can get his uh, Super Bowl predictions next week because we have 12 days before the beautiful thing game. right there, yeah. isn't it? Honestly, man, I love that. The, the PR discussion. This is what happens. Follow the leak, my brothers. Uh, when we come back, we'll go around the NFL. Who's the 49ers quarterback next season after the news on Brock Purdy's injury? We'll go through the biggest stories around the league next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. It is Wolf and Luke on a Tuesday morning, and it's weird we've done an hour. We haven't even gotten into Super Bowl talk yet, although we have time. There's <laughs> all the I can I can feel the Philadelphia fans, fifty thousand of them descending on the Valley Wolf, um, and even right here we're going to go NFL. I don't know how much Super Bowl we're going to get into in this segment. We'll get into it more in a little bit, but there's there's two. Pretty interesting storylines from over the weekend from teams that got eliminated. So we're going to start with the Bengals. And this is Jermaine Pratt's, uh, who felt that he needed to apologize to his teammate, Joseph Asai, for how he uh, reacted after the game. I was emotional. I was in the moment. I was wrong. I would say I was wrong. As a man, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I was wrong. I wasn't a great teammate at that moment. But they don't define me as a man, you know. But it is what it is, 24 hours. I'm going back to work. I got a great offseason ahead with my kids and family. That's all that matters at the end of the day. When I go home to my kids, they love me. I go home to my fiance, they love me. That's all that matters. So all the other stuff is irrelevant. Back to work. So that's a public apology, essentially, Wolf, in case you missed it. Not you. I know you saw it. But just in general, um, for Jermaine Pratt walking off the field, being upset about the penalty. It's not like he was getting in Joseph Asai's face. He was upset, kind of almost talking to himself. Cameras caught it. So not not something like where he went out and made some big statement. Oh, my teammate cost me this game, and then he had to apologize. Or not like he went off on Joseph Asai, as far as we know. He just wasn't happy walking off the field. Yeah, for me, Jermaine Pratt did nothing wrong. I don't think so, man. Wrong. That's sports. He, he was in the tunnel voicing his displeasure at one of his teammates and what his teammate did. Would I have done it, Basinonians? No, I, I would not have. Does discourse happen in a locker room, on the field, in the tunnel? <laughs> tunnel time is not only the beginning of the game, it's also the end of a game. Yes, it does happen. Discourse will happen. You're going to have some type of confrontation from time to time. I wouldn't have done it because all the mistakes I've made in my life, Basinonians, all the mistakes that I've made in my life, let alone in my career as a football player, no, I would not have done it. To dev- to voice your displeasure with one of your your teammates over something like that, where you're going to make a play, an effort play, where it was trying to run them down, um, I do not endorse that whatsoever. No, I, I don't either. I, I'm, I'm sure it doesn't sound like Jermaine does either. It's not like something he wanted to do, but you're talking about... This, this was not the NFC Championship game that was over eight minutes into the first quarter. This came down to yeah. that play and yep. and you know as we all look back on it it's like okay well you guys probably could have protected Joe Burrow from Chris Jones a little bit better or you could have done this I mean it's not it's not one play but in the moment it was that one play if he if he doesn't if he doesn't take that penalty we probably go to overtime and then anything goes so if I'm on the team I don't think it's ridiculous to walk off the field upset about it no, no. and that's all he was yeah. just upset does it happen Yes. Man, I can't tell you how many fights actually will happen between teammates. But that it's, that didn't even happen. It's there. right, exactly. So <laughs> once again, you just gotta bottom line it, Luke. It's not just walking up a tunnel yelling out, Why would you do something like that? <laughs> it's actually throwing blows 
uh, one of your teammates. Um, it happens. Football is an emotional game, and that emotion forces you to say some things you typically wouldn't. So basically, again, in summation, uh, I like to think I wouldn't have said what Jermaine Pratt said, but I'm going to give him a pass because of how emotional it was walking up that tunnel. Uh, over to the other team that lost on Sunday. Here's Ian Rappaport yesterday with an injury update on Brock Purdy because it's, you know, if you're Brock Purdy, it's not just, okay, yeah, I missed the, the second half of the NFC Championship game. Like, nothing is guaranteed for him going forward despite the fact that he didn't lose a game until Sunday. Now, the worst thing that could happen to him wasn't, okay, you lost the NFC Championship. It's like, oh, you're hurt for a while. Yeah, if you studied Brock Purdy's body language on the sideline, you looked at his interactions with the trainer, you watched him at the end of the game, simply unable to throw, unable to grip a football. We have now found out why. Sources say Brock Purdy suffered a fully torn UCL, a torn ligament in his elbow, an injury usually reserved for pitchers and and other throws. Not generally a quarterback injury, although if you get hit the way that Brock Purdy did, the only real options are a sprain, which was the initial thought, or a full tear, which was his reality. Purdy now set to have surgery. Probably not a Tommy John procedure, but more, much more of a simple repair, something that has about a six-month recovery timetable. So if that holds, and if Purdy does indeed have surgery soon, he should be able to be ready right around the, the start of training camp. It's not great news, but if everything holds and goes according to plan, should be totally fine for the 2023 season. And that's really ultimately what I hope for Brock Purdy. I just want to see that kid be given the opportunity once again to go out and chase his dream. He's playing so well. It's just, it's crushing. It's crushing to see a young man like that uh, who's a rookie. He's trying to make his way in one of the hardest professional sports there is physically, trying to make his way as a quarterback. The last player drafted, I, I, there's so many things up against this kid, and he's overcome so much of it. And now this. Yeah, but this is, this is a big deal. I was saying somebody, this, this is something like this to somebody the other day. You know, if, if he, if it takes six months, what is that? If he has the surgery today and it takes six months, he's back August 1st. This is not Patrick Mahomes coming back from an injury like this where it's like, yeah, just get him out there. We, we know what he is. I'm sure San Francisco on some level has some reservations about do we just hand this guy the starting job? Is he just given the starting job? What if it takes seven months for him to be at full strength? That's the start of next season. They're going to come up with a plan. They're not going to go into that thinking Brock Purdy's going to be our quarterback. That's why it sucks. But yeah, because after everything he just did, and it, it's not, he wasn't just on the field while they were winning games. He was right. making plays, Yes, especially in that first playoff game. Now he's he's earned his way at least into the conversation to be a starter for a Super Bowl contender at the beginning of next year, and he probably won't be the starter going into next year. And I don't know. How do you get back into that position? Now you're fighting off an injury, and you need guys in front of you to drop again. Yeah, and you have to ask yourself, John Lynch, of course, Kyle Shanahan, how do they feel about Brock Purdy coming off of this UCL? How do they feel about him right now? Because for me, every game he played in, it was just incredible to see Brock Purdy go out and execute the offense. But he was surrounded by an awful lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. And by the way, the defense wasn't bad either. And that helps the quarterback as well. 
the confidence, the amount of possessions he's going to get in a game because of his defense going out and doing their job, how well they were playing in that winning streak was lights out. That helped Brock Purdy with the confidence as well. You have to wonder, though, if you're John Lynch and you're Kyle Shanahan, can you bank on Brock Purdy going in it? No, no. You've got to you've got to move on as if you're going to go out and bring in some other quarterbacks, and I don't think it's going to be Jimmy G. Well, it, no, I don't think he can do that again. It's it's the old debate, right? What if Drew Bledsoe never gets hurt? What, what does Tom Brady's career look like? What, what if Tom Brady? gets drafted by Cleveland when they were completely dysfunctional and he doesn't get in there for a couple of years. And then when he does, he has no talent around him. What does his career look like? Right. I mean, is a lot of it for a quarterback is what position and situation you land in. Brock Purdy landed in a great situation for being the last pick in the draft, but he also won every game he started until Sunday. There are guys that would land in that position and wouldn't win the games. He played exceptionally well, exceptionally well, but you can't bank on it. The sample size is very, very small. The sample size with an injury and the expectations for the 49ers. Yes. That's three, I don't want to say strikes against him. I'm just saying that's three obstacles now that are going to be really tough but for man, him. man, am I rooting for this kid? I think we all are. It's uh, Here's Ian Fitzsimmons talking about what the 49ers should do at quarterback now. Jimmy G's gone. Trey Lance is also gone. I'm trading him. You know, And your former assistant GM is now the GM in Tennessee. What do you want for him? Because you're part of the one. process. Yep. That, that that gave away three ones to go get him. You want him? Come get him. I am definitely dangling Trey Lance out there saying, phone lines are open, give me a call. And, and give me your best offer. The Tom Brady for one year deal, that gives Brock Purdy time to come back off that UCL if he's not even, even if he is 100%. That's the ultimate backup, as you saw this year, going yeah, undefeated. No doubt. For Tom Brady, and then you turn the keys over to Brock Purdy. So I love that scenario if you can make it work and if Tom Brady wants to come back for one more run. <laughs> you know what, honestly, could you see that happening? Yeah, there's a lot of logic there, and I hate all of it. I, I do, because I could see that happening. I absolutely could see that happening. Brady gets okay. to go back to the okay. Bay Area. But you know what? Right, Everything Brady, works out for Brady. Brady gets to go, to go back, say goodbye to the game that he loves in, in the city that he loves. Yeah, good for him. He go also gets to keep going to the Super Bowl favorite every year and <laughs> adding more rings. Okay. He's ring chasing, and he already has seven if yes. he does that. You know what? I hope that happens. I hope it doesn't. I, I, I hope it does. No, I hope he goes and plays for Wait a minute. Houston. No, wait, that roster is really, really good around Tom Brady. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Text us your thoughts. The Findle text line at 620-620 right now. All right, which coaches from the logger. make the most sense for the Cardinals? Too late, it's in there. We're going to draft ours next, a Tuesday edition of Fulcrum Football. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona's sports. It's part of the NFL. It's not easy. It's not easy to win in the NFL. Everybody want to win. Who or what is the tipping point? That's going to be key to our success. This is Fulcrum Football with Wolf and Luke. All right, let's get crazy. Let's play Fulcrum Football on a Tuesday morning. Wait a minute, on a Tuesday? On a Tuesday. Okay, I know Paul believes, Calvisi, of course, ladies and gentlemen, it's the most productive day of the week when we know it isn't. So why are we doing it? Why are we doing it on a Tuesday? Paul Calvisi's going to join us later on. Oh, that's right. We'll rip Paul 
later in the broadcast. You know what he also believes is uh, Sean Payton might be a pretty good option for the Cardinals. Yeah, he did does believe that. Yeah, he did, I did say that on uh, Gatos and Chad's show. So we're gonna yeah, talk that was about cool. That. We're gonna throw that in his face. We absolutely are. That's why we have him on is just to insult him. All right, we're gonna do fulcrum football here. It's a little bit different. This is not uh, game related, but we figured okay, it's a different way we can talk about the coaching search for the Cardinals until they actually hire one, right? Yeah. So you listed out, there's the coin flip, and uh, I win. Okay. Uh, There's 11 names by our count that they have interviewed or been linked to, okay? Are we going to make those the 11 names that are eligible? Um, okay. Like, can, yeah, you, can you still draft Frank Reich? Or are we crossing him off the list? Oh, no. You can still do that. Okay. Yeah, he was out there originally. Okay. Who were your fulcrum football head coaches that you would have hired, not just for the Arizona Cardinals, just hired, period? Oh, it's not even just for the Cardinals? Just anyone who's out there, Oh, right? boy. Okay. All right. So that's a little bit different. Not different from my first pick, though. Okay. Good. All right. I'm going first. I okay. won the coin flip. Your favorite. Sean Payton. Sean Payton. I was a ball boy for this team. Okay, Sean Payton. uh, Simple fact that he was a ball boy should mean he has to coach this team. Why would you actually want Sean Payton coaching your team? Well, I mean, I did this through the scope of the Arizona Cardinals, but I don't think it really matters. He's the only guy on this list that has won a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, he was the coach. You talk about controversial calls in the championship games. He was the coach of the Saints when they probably should have gone the year the Rams went. Remember, not the year the Rams won, but the year that there oh, was yeah. that. I mean, he probably oh, should have yeah. been to another Super Bowl, too. You're right. Uh, his his playoff record and just his uh, success in this league speaks for itself. And I, I am drafting this as if I'm running the Cardinals. So, specifically, I want him for Kyler Murray. Okay, so we are doing it through the prism of you the Arizona draft Cardinals. It however That's you great. Want. I got no problem with that. Uh, it's not going to change my order, as a matter of fact. Interestingly, it does enough. change my order. Uh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sean Payton was going to be mine as well. I think we are, we're all kind of very interested in seeing what Sean Payton could do, the impact he might have on Kyla Murray and the impact on this offense. Well, you got to win the coin flip. you got to remember right now, too, Basinonians, that you're not sitting inside that interview room, are you? You're not sitting inside that room asking the questions and hearing the answers. That's why you can see how difficult this is. In theory, it's a great practice, isn't it? Hey, let's play some fulcrum football as to what coach you hire. Let's go ahead and do that when we all know the reality. Man, you don't know what you're talking about because you were even even sitting in that room. So I'm going to go Brian Flores at number two. The one thing that came out over and over again was this is an old school guy who's going to coach you hard. Well, and you know what? Deal with it. Yeah, you know, deal with it right now. And I think that's what needs to happen. He's going to be the anvil in which you're going to shape the future of this team going forward. That's Brian Flores. That's who he is. That's what he's been all about. And especially when you're talking about Kyler Murray and shaping Kyler Murray going forward. Is Brian Flores the guy to reach Kyler Murray? I I, I don't know. Is Vance Joseph the guy to? I don't know. But Brian Flores is the guy that if you hire him, he's either going to reach Kyler Murray or you're going to find out that Kyler Murray not is unreachable, but like you're going to find out why he's so hard to reach. Brian Flores is going to expose everything one way or the other if you hire him. So Brian Flores is my first fulcrum 
head coach. All right. So, again, again, clarification. I can draft a guy that they can't get now that's, that was on yeah, this list? All right. right. Well, then I'll take Dan Quinn. Okay. It's kind of like, are you the warrior or are you going to be the victim here? And if you're going to be the warrior, then you go after it and say, I'm going to enjoy this fight and it's going to be hard, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to go too deep into Dan Quinn because they can't get him now, so there's sort of no point. But um, but he that would have been my top three, and I actually think I maybe would have had Quinn over Flores. But as I said earlier, I like the idea of having a defensive mind come in here and you just lean all in on the defense. You've got a talented quarterback, you have pieces on offense, but I don't want to have to. I don't want to go into future seasons being like our whole season hinges on Kyler Murray. I'd like to build a team like San Francisco has built their team, but then just also have Kyler Murray. Imagine the 49ers with Kyler Murray. That's a scary thought. Yeah, it is. Okay, that's good. Um, My second fulcrum football head coach for the Arizona Cardinals would have to be Vance Joseph. We talked about the boot! (laughs) Oh my god! I'm sorry to laugh, Vance. I want somebody to ask him, like, Vance, how did the interview go? What did you talk about? And he's like, well, we talked about the boot. Yes, we talked to you. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Brian Flores slash Vance Joseph. These guys are on opposite ends of the spectrum for the most part. You've got got a guy that knows Kyler Murray and a guy that doesn't know Kyler Murray. That is really the difference right there. Who can reach him? I don't know. I'm going with a defensive-minded coach. Brian Flores is 1A, Vance Joseph 1B. Can I actually have two? Can I put a slash in between their names? Because I don't know, can it be Vance Joseph that is going to make the bigger impact on Kyler Murray because he knows him? Or is it going to be somebody completely new that he doesn't know? I know these guys are both defensive-minded coaches, and that's what I want because they need separation. I'm the head coach. You're the quarterback. Not only that, we've got some young guys, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins, Marco Wilson, maybe Byron Murphy, maybe Zach Allen. We've got some young guys coming back on the defensive side of the ball that need to continue to get better. That's why I want a defensive-minded coach. And, oh, by the way, defensive-minded coaches are also much more physically minded when it comes to the game of football. And I like that. That's why I've got Brian Flores slash Vance Joseph. This is become an eye-opener for me because now that we're down to the fifth option, I'm just taking coaches they can't get, it sounds like. (laughs) Which really just reinforces the fact they need to get Sean Payton. I like Flores, too. But I can't draft him here. I'm not going to take Frank Reich. I, I don't. I don't really want an offensive mind. I can tell you, I don't want Brian Callahan or Mike Kafka. I don't want a young offensive mind coming in here. Hey, let's try. Let's try something innovative on offense with a, a new coach with Kyler Murray. Yeah, done already. I don't need to do it again. Those guys can go be good coaches somewhere else. So I will go with a guy that's probably going to Houston. But if, if based on who's left on the board, I would go with D'Amico Ryan's. It's a hit. JK hit that explosion line. We ready to go. Hey, move, make a move, make a move, make a move, make a move. It's a first-year head coach, though, but, I mean, that's where we are on this list already because we've drafted all the established coaches. Yeah, that's right. Um, Okay, my third fulcrum football coach I'd like to see the Arizona Cardinals hire would be Aaron Glenn. You want something, we're going to give you something. Yeah. Well, we're going to take it. We want something, we're going to give you something. Take it. Let's go, man, compete. I'll compete him. I love the culture that he comes from. He is a defensive-minded coach. I've already gone over why I want that defensive-minded coach if it's not going to be Sean Payton. He comes from 
Dan Campbell and Chris Spielman and the Detroit Lions and all that goodness in terms of playing the game of football and being very physically minded. I love that about Aaron Glenn as well. Yeah, Aaron Glenn. All right, let's each do one more uh, real quick from the list of Brian Callahan, Lou Anarumo, Ajiro Evero, and Mike Kafka. I will take Lou Anarumo. Oh, you guys understand that what we're giving them and what we're trying to teach them, we're going to be passionate about it and take out and eliminate all the gray. So what, what, they're going to know exactly what their job responsibilities are and, and make sure we're paying attention to detail. I like Lou. I just don't necessarily want a first-year head coach if other options are out there. Okay, I'm going to go Mike Kafka. Yeah, well. Well, he was valuable. He a smart guy and a good athlete and and a good person. Yeah, you know, Brian Dable did an incredible job with Daniel Jones. We all know that. And Mike Kafka, I believe, was right in the middle of all of that. I'd love to sit down and talk to him. <laughs> Even if you just talk to him, which is exactly what the Arizona Cardinals are doing today. They're probably Talking doing it right now. Him, interviewing Mike Kafka right now. What did you guys do with Daniel Jones? Probably just sitting there listening to <laughs> us play Fulcrum football and being like, wow, Kafka went eighth, but he did make the list. Yes. All right, that was Fulcrum football Tuesday edition because we figure a coach will be hired by Friday, probably, right? Nudge, nudge. Uh, the NBA trade deadline is fast approaching. How much does the Suns' recent play impact what they could do? It's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, the Phoenix Suns have won six of seven. We have James Jones going into the tunnel to talk to Masai Ujiri last night during the game. I saw. You had uh, Fred Van Vliet playing pretty well. Yes. You had uh, Gary Trent Jr. playing pretty well, though he always does against the Suns for some reason. No OG Ananobi in the game last night, but, I mean, that was known before the game started. You have four games left before the trade deadline, if you're the Suns, Wolf. You've got um, you've got the home game tomorrow against Atlanta. And then you go on the road, take on the Celtics Friday, Pistons Saturday, Brooklyn Tuesday. Trade deadline is next Thursday. They'll be in Atlanta when the trade deadline goes down. So if you just want to take John Collins or uh, another Bogdanovich from uh, Atlanta, you could do that. Um, I want to start here. This is it. This is it. I mean, you've got one more home game before the trade deadline. This is it right here. Um, Not only one more home game before the trade deadline, but I think this is your window for the championship that you seek right now. So let me ask you this. Chris Paul playing the way he has played in the five games back. It's just five games. He's been really good. I I had the numbers before. It was like 10.5 assists, about 22 points a game on 54% shooting. So efficient, too. Uh, and looking like Chris Paul in these five games since coming back from injury. And I made the point before, like if if they are going to go on a run, this is what it would look like. Chris Paul would turn it on a little bit in the second half. Jay Williams, we talked to him earlier, doesn't care what he does in the regular season. I completely agree. I think we all do. It's But is this him ramping up for the playoffs? They're not that far away. Him playing the way he has, does that make you feel more of a sense of urgency? Like, we got to make a trade because Chris Paul, if he's going to play like this, we are a title contender. Or does it make you... Less inclined to make a deal, a big deal, because you're like, well, Chris Paul's going to play like this. We don't have to make a big trade. Yeah, no, for me, I'm banking on Chris Paul being Chris Paul. So then you're, you, I'm going to do what it. What does that do and to I, your mindset? I'm not saying I'm right on this, Mason O'Neill's either. I, I, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the championship window is there. So let's approach the trade deadline as if that's the case. The championship window is there. What kind of deals have been discussed? 
What kind of trade scenarios may be out there for James Jones? I don't know, but he does. Don't you think the Suns are also banking on Chris Paul being Chris Paul? I mean, doesn't it sort of feel like they went into this season banking on the idea that some guys would develop, and yes. Mikel Bridges has done it, but Chris Paul's going to be Chris Paul. Whether whether they fully believe it or not in the playoffs, that's kind of the position they're in. You know, are you really going to blow up this roster after 64 wins last year, or are you going to go into it and say, it was weird against Dallas, things got weird, let's, let's give it another go? Because it feels like that's what they're doing. And then if you're doing that, then you do kind of need to make a trade beyond just Jay Crowder, don't you? Yeah, I, I think maybe you do. And it was really interesting to hear Jay Williams. We actually had Jay Will on and to hear him talking about this very thing as well. I thought it was really, really important going forward. This is a, a guy that I've got a ton of respect for, of course, and he's got a good feel, I think, for what a lot of an, analysts nationally feel about the Suns. And I like what he had to say in regard to it, but Chris Paul is that question mark in terms of the postseason again. It just I don't care about the regular season for Chris Paul. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I, and I get that we're, you know, Obviously, Devin Booker being out, Cam Johnson, I think you find out a lot about your team where roles have been developed. But frankly, like for me, it's about, and it's unfortunate, maybe it's the way my brain is built, is championship or bust with this team because I need to find out what the long-term solution is. And I'm I'm not sure if that is Chris Paul. I'm not. He is a bona fide leader. Uh, but when you start understanding dynamics in the relationships between him, Devin, and Monty, and you see a guy like Jay Crowder who's been out, who is the one guy that can kind of get DeAndre Ayton under control when things start to get rocky. And you start hearing rumblings around teams about how they feel about Chris Paul, you know, not in the locker room, but like outside of it. it, it, it and the durability around Chris Paul when you get to postseason, and I love Chris Paul, um, it turns into like what is the best long-term strategy for the Phoenix Suns? And I, I am – I, I can't sit here and tell two of my friends who we talk sports once a week that I am positively sure that Chris Paul is a long-term solution for another two years. It, it, that This might be the last time we see this. See, I kind of took that as, and maybe this isn't how he was saying it, um, don't hesitate to make a trade for a Fred Van Vliet or whatever yeah. because you don't know how he's going to fit with Chris Paul next year or the year after. You know what right. I mean? Chris right. Paul, you're not winning a title this year if Chris Paul doesn't play the way he has the last five games in the playoffs. I, yes. mean, I don't mean next week. I mean in the playoffs. But if he does, you're a title contender. You absolutely are. So Especially you need to if keep there's some way you could get Fred Van Vliet. Uh, uh, yeah, well, how about this? this <laughs> I know is, that's been shot down, ladies and gentlemen, but well, still. Pick it back up. He, this is the trade deadline. There's a lot of rumors flying around. There's a, there's a lot of possibilities, a lot of scenarios that are out there. Make it happen. <laughs> this is Bobby Marks on with Burns and Gambo yesterday talking about the Western Conference. And you and I kind of got into this yesterday of, yeah, Denver and Memphis, you're not going to catch them during the regular season. 
I don't know that anybody's unbeatable. This isn't like the Warriors back when they were winning the title every single year. I think the Western Conference, I think, you know, certainly Phoenix has had injuries and they, you know, went on that, that slide, but the Western Conference is not like the old days here. It's, 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 you know, kept them in the mix here where you probably don't have to do an all in move and still finish in the top six here. Um, you look at Memphis, you look at, um, uh, Denver, the two teams up top, I think you can beat them in a, in a seven-game series. Um, you know, you probably won't get Golden State, um, you know, if you if in the first round here. So I think it's a matter of, hey, it's so wide open that, yeah, we need to go all in because maybe this window is closing a little bit. Or no, you know, it, it's, um, you know, to the point where there's so much parity. It just, you won 64 games last year. You went to the NBA Finals the year before. I'm not saying do something stupid and just completely like mortgage mortgage your future for a guy that's not a sure thing. But I think your mentality has to be basically what Bobby Marks just said right there. You should be all in on this year. Mm-hmm. If you don't think Chris Paul's the answer long term, and he isn't long term. I mean, he's getting towards the end of his career. Then you're banking on him being this guy right now for the rest of this season, or at least in the playoffs. You're going to get Devin Booker back. You just want to burn a year of Devin Booker's prime? I don't. You got Mikel Bridges taking the next step up. You have Cam Johnson, I'm assuming, taking the next step up. You've got, you've established some of these bench guys, but the biggest thing is the Western Conference, there isn't a clear-cut, unstoppable team. There really isn't. Yeah, no, you're you're right about that, and right now, as the Suns approach the deadline right here, they have the need, there's no doubt about that. They have to add a player, maybe even two. We could talk about that, but they have the trade capital. The They're the only team in the league that owns all their picks, and also doesn't have any other teams' picks that they acquired. They don't. They own all their own. They got a couple of mid-level exception. They got a couple of mid-level expiring contracts in Jay Crowder, of course, Dario Saric, um, and they have cap flexibility as well. So going forward, man, I, I think the the need is there. And the want is there. And that's why I think it's going to be even more dramatic, James Jones, and what he does, than I think we're giving him credit for right now. To me, the the race in the Western Conference is just getting the top six, right? Right now, the Suns are in a three-way tie for fifth, but that's a half game up on ninth. I mean, that, that's what Bobby Marks was just saying, how bunched up this is, but... You look at some of the teams around the Suns, and I know everybody has had injuries or guys that that are just you know sitting out games basically. Um, but as far as teams that have really been hit with injuries so much that you can look and, and realistically say, okay, they haven't we haven't seen their best yet. That really only is the Suns and the Pelicans in this in these these top eight or nine teams. I'm not, obviously, the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard has played like half the games, but that's Kawhi Leonard now. That's that's where he. I'm just saying, like these teams that you look at in the top eight or nine, and you say, "Well, this team's about to go on a run." The only two teams that you would say that are, are the Suns and the Pelicans. New Orleans has lost eight games in a row. Yeah, I mean they don't have their players right now, but they've lost eight games in a row. Right. And not only that, too. It's 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 not only about losing eight games in a row, but you just never know what kind of health you're going to be going into the postseason. And nobody knows that better, of course, than the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> nobody knows that better. And I would say right now, as it stands, I, I have, listen, I'm not trying to say the Suns are going to to win the championship. I'm not trying to say that. What I am trying to say is that right now, the Suns look an awful lot 
like what happened to the Golden State Warriors last year. I'm just saying, with the trade deadline coming up and with the rest of the season the way it is, you need to approach it like you're going to win the championship because you are still on the list of teams that can do it. However big that list is, you want to say there's eight, nine in the NBA this year that could realistically win a title? Maybe the Suns are eighth or ninth on that list, but they make the cut for me. They're on the list of teams that could actually win a title, so why wouldn't you go for it? Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day with Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.